So I'm going to talk a little bit about that crazy-ass debate last night. It was a mess. Trump was a bigger mess, no doubt, absolutely, unequivocally. But I also want to talk to you about the information that we're expecting to be released today about the murder of Breonna Taylor. Let me unpack and explain them both. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. So, like you, I had a few hours to sleep on the debate, and I listened to the first part of it. My wife and I were in the car, and even listening to it was just maddening. I mean, from from the opening bell, from when it first started, uh, and I think we heard the first 45 minutes, and then I watched the final 45 minutes, and there were a few little comments or moments that Biden did okay. But Trump was just horrible. And uh, I, I tweeted this last night and uh, because I think about it. Anytime I either see Trump debate or, or in the lead up to a debate, earlier, I believe it was earlier this year, actually. Uh, earlier this year, no, 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 it was uh, late last year, I believe. Uh, my, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, it was late last year, man. Quarantine has my, <laughs> the pandemic has my chronology all messed up. I was sure, couldn't think of what was 2019, what was 2020. Like it's all, it's all jammed up. Uh, I, w- I was in Vermont and I had introduced, uh, Bernie Sanders at, uh, his kickoff rally in Vermont. It was uh, one of the biggest honors of my life. It was a great, great event. And uh, brought my whole family up there with me, and uh, we we stayed up in Vermont for a few days, actually. And we had an opportunity, my family and I had an opportunity to spend uh, really the whole evening privately just with Bernie. We had dinner, we talked, we laughed. Uh, he had his kids and grandkids there. My kids were there, and they were, you know, pl- playing hide-and-go-seek with his grandkids and just hung out and had had a wonderful time together. And we had a conversation about just how difficult it is to have a respectable, honest, sincere, earnest debate with Donald Trump. And at that time, Bernie obviously was still in the thick of uh, running for the Democratic nomination. My God, I, I wish he won. But we were just talking about how seriously he took the moment that he hoped he would have to eventually be able to debate Donald Trump, but that he thought it was a mistake, not not to necessarily just to underestimate Trump, but he was saying Trump doesn't follow the debate rules. This was what Bernie was saying to me last year. Trump doesn't follow the rules. He doesn't honor the the tradition of the system of, you share an idea, I debate your idea. I share an idea, you debate my idea. He speaks over the moderators. And Bernie said all of these things. He just said, listen, he's a horrible person for anybody to show up and be in a debate with because he he just doesn't honor the system. And I think that was proven true all night last night. He had a Fox News host 
although Trump is trying to make it out like the host, the moderator was against him. He literally, the first moderator of the debate season was a Fox News host and who was fair to him from start to finish. And Trump never, never from from the beginning until the very end honored the format. It was, I thought, poorly, poorly moderated. But there's a part of me that just wonders like, shit, who can moderate him? And I thought, I heard Democrats over the past few months say that Joe Biden should not attend the debates. And I thought that was just the worst thing of all time. Like, you got to have the presidential debates. That's what I thought. And after watching last night, now I understand. And it's not, I don't, I don't think Trump won the debate. It's just, he is, he is so ugly. He is such a bigot and he says such dangerous things. Last night, not only did he refuse to denounce white supremacists, but he then openly encouraged the white supremacist group, the Proud Boys, to stand by. They are now selling merchandise with his remarks. They are now proud, (laughs) no pun intended, of Trump's embrace of them publicly last night. I think that's going to be the big takeaway of the entire evening. Um, by the time we got to the final two or three minutes of the debate, I think most watchers and listeners and viewers were exhausted, but I think most people missed something that I thought perhaps might've been the most dangerous moment of the debate, maybe even more dangerous than his embrace of white supremacy. When Chris Wallace asked him, you know, Will you commit, will both of you commit to a peaceful transition of power if you lose? Will you call off your supporters from being violent? Trump refused and went on to basically say that he thought it could, uh, while Chris Wallace said it could be days, perhaps even weeks for all the votes to be counted. Trump then interjected and said months, clearly making it such that he wants to make sure that he gets his Supreme Court nominee in in case this thing goes all the way up to the Supreme Court so they can rule in his favor and that he has no intention, Supreme Court or otherwise, he has no intention on leaving office. In fact, he even encouraged his supporters to create what he's calling an army of poll watchers. Now, Anybody, you don't have to have a graduate degree in in history or African-American studies to know that intimidation at the polls has an ugly history in this country. And Trump is literally, and he's, he tweeted it last night, sign up for uh, the Trump army, which is a dangerous you know, turn of phrase for the American president to be using. Uh, the, the army is an armed force. Uh, it is a force of war, and he's saying that he wants his, people to sign up to be a part of Trump's army to go to the polls. That's intimidating. It is it is voter intimidation. In a lot of ways, it's voter suppression. It's going to cause some people to be terrified of even going. And these are all the things that he wants to do. And so um, 
I thought Biden had a good moment or two. I was I was mainly disappointed. I, I thought there were some moments he could have capitalized on. And then any chance Joe Biden got, he threw progressives and liberals under the bus. He openly said, I'm against a Green New Deal. There's no reason to say that. It's the most important energy platform of our lifetime. There's no reason to be against it. But he said he's against it. Uh, He openly said uh, he's against Medicare for all universal health care. Why? Like there's 100 million people nearly that either don't have insurance or are horribly underinsured or who have insurance but are so poor they don't even use it because they can't afford the co-pays or deductibles. Why don't you want universal health care? Like, please. Yeah, of course we want that. Every developed nation in the world has it. Why are you saying you don't want it? And he threw, of course, defunding the police under the bus, said he actually wanted to fund the police even more, even though they are the most heavily funded policing system in the history of the world right now and forever. And so if you can, you know, three things I really love are defunding the police, universal health care and the Green New Deal. And he was like, F, F all of that. (laughs) Because. And let me just be, you know, let me be honest for a moment. He's not trying to win me over. He's not trying to win progressives over. He's trying to win over um, disaffected Trump supporters. And that's his that's his strategy, period. And um, that's what his team has decided they want to do. And and if he wins with that strategy, uh, you know, they'll feel that it worked and it, and his goal will be to move the party to the right. And, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, a tough moment. But I, with all of that, I still left the night thinking Trump is a monster. He's just a monster of a person. His cruel remarks about Joe Biden's family when Joe Biden could have made countless remarks about Trump's family from his fa- his repeated failed marriages to all the different, you know, interesting things about his children that Trump that Biden could have said about Trump's children. Biden just wouldn't do it. It's it's inappropriate. It's wrong. And um, and Donald Trump. Even began insulting Joe Biden's son, Bo, who was not only a military veteran, but an attorney general who had passed away. And just wrong, man. Just wrong. I, you all know how I feel. I'm not a Joe Biden fan, but it's like, leave that man's family alone. That man, for, for all of my feelings about Joe Biden on justice reform and everything else, that man has lost so much. And, uh, you know, Leave the man's family out of this. This is a man whose first wife and daughter died in a car accident, whose son, who was his pride and joy, died of brain cancer, and his son, Hunter, who has struggled with drug addiction and life choices. Leave that man alone. Shit. I mean, good Lord. Just, it's it's just... It's beneath the office of the presidency, but we already know that. Listen, um, I want to talk to you about what we expect to come out today in the Breonna Taylor case. It's a very, very important day. 
But first, I have a quick word from one of our favorite, favorite sponsors. I'll be right back. Listen, I love reading and more than ever, I just need new information to help me be an effective leader, to help me understand the world better. But I'm so swamped with work all the time that I just don't always have the time to read like I want. And that's why I love Blinkist. Blinkist gathers the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and it condenses them down into 15-minute clips that you can read or listen to. Now, with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and for all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash breakdown. You can try it for free for seven days, and you'll save 25% off of your new subscription. Now, that's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash breakdown to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash breakdown. Check it out and let me know what you think. So sometime today, um, it, it could be happening right now. I am recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, sometime later this morning or this afternoon, or it could be late this evening. We are expecting a judge to release some version of transcripts and evidence from the grand jury proceedings with the murder of Breonna Taylor. Um, Just as a quick educational note on, on what all that means, Louisville's district attorney, a Democrat, Tom Wine, had this case. But because he was so determined to prosecute Brianna's boyfriend, Kenny, he decided that he could not simultaneously prosecute Kenny for murder. That's what he was trying to charge. He was trying to charge Kenny with attempted murder of a police officer. Just ridiculous. And he said, listen, I can't I can't be on that case and hold these officers responsible and for any any potential crime. And so I'm recusing myself from the case. I'm giving up on the police case. And he did that, knowing full well that it would then be given to the Republican Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, uh, who is literally in the pockets of Louisville's police and Kentucky's police. They have endorsed him uh, before he ran for office, before this murder ever took place. He openly, literally, I mean, I mean, this cut and paste, he literally pledged his loyalty and support to them and said he would advocate for them, quote unquote, every single day he's in office. And that's what he did. He then took this to a local grand jury in Louisville, which is just a panel of jurors. It's a secret panel of jurors and pretended in his press conference as if he presented all of the evidence and that the grand jury decided not to prosecute the police officers who shot and killed Breonna Taylor. And a grand juror 
filed an injunction saying, hold, hold on, hold on. You are misrepresenting us. You never gave us the option to prosecute the police officers because you said what they did was lawful. That's actually wrong. The attorney general, when you present something before a grand jury, you are not there to determine who's guilty or who's innocent. You have to present that before the grand jury and allow them to decide. And he has now admitted, uh, uh, Daniel Cameron, that he indeed did not present any charges or any options for the officers who shot and killed Brianna. And today we're going to get probably a, a redacted transcripts that may black out, uh, you know, personal information, private information, um, some version of transcripts and maybe even audio recordings and other things should be released today. Frankly, I was surprised that they said today because it often takes a week or two to safely, properly redact all of that. But they said today, so we'll see. Maybe they're, work, you know, staying up day and night to properly redact everything. But we are waiting. And my my belief is is that the grand jury proceedings will show us that Daniel Cameron really used that moment as a moment to protect police. And consequently, I think that Louisville's district attorney's office or maybe even the governor of Kentucky can appoint a new special prosecutor for this case. It's what we need to happen. Um, I'm going to get off here now. I have several phone calls about the case uh, our team at the Grassroots Law Project, we are about to step up our involvement in this kind of complicated legal aspect of the case. And uh, we're going to jump in head first. Love and appreciate you all. Listen, it's a difficult time. Let's keep on pushing. Take care, everybody. Break it down. And Maria Elena, hosts of the North Star's newest podcast, America the Voiceless, a podcast that's about the right to vote and the fight to vote. We believe that all Americans have a voice, but far too many Americans hit roadblocks when it comes to casting their votes. In America the Voiceless, we hear from lawmakers, historians, activists, and everyday people as we unpack the barriers some Americans have to overcome to make sure their voices are heard during the voting process. You can listen to a new episode of America the Voiceless every Thursday this fall. All episodes are available on the Northstar.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. America the Voiceless.